Welcome to another episode of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host Lauren, and with me tonight I have Alex. How are you, Alex? Look, I'm uh, I'm surviving. Surviving. Um, yeah, a lot has changed since I last hosted the podcast, and it's not um, gone the way we were all hoping. Um, particularly with that dismal defeat against Wigan last week. So the boys obviously suffered in that game. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, and given how this one went. I'm tempted to offer a language warning, as Triple J would do. Uh, yeah, look, and to be honest, I mean, we're we're not we're often a uh, family-friendly podcast, but I think when we're looking at a game such as it was against Wigan in an eight-nil defeat, I think I can be forgiven for saying that that was fucking awful. Um, the fact that we conceded after a minute, uh, as we have done in I think four other games since the restart, was pretty pathetic to begin with. And um, as a game that started at 3 a.m. in the morning, it was not a fantastic start to a game um, for that time of the morning. But then, of course, between the 27th minute, 46th minute, so 19 minutes of gameplay, we conceded another six goals to go in at 7-0 down at halftime and on track for pretty much a record club defeat. So it was a pretty pathetic display from the club. Um, and I don't know if there's any way that you can sugarcoat a performance like that. Um, we talked last week about how we really needed to just throw everything at these two games and get four, six points from these games to give us a chance of survival in the league. Um, and we'll talk about that Luton game in a second, but obviously that did not go to plan in any shape or form. Um, and I think the most frustrating thing about this game was the fact that there was so little change in the lineup, so little change in the tactics. And um, it's been talked about in other places as well as this, that um, we must be the easiest team to scout, the easiest team to prepare for, because we just don't make any changes. We're very predictable, similar sort of lineup, similar sort of tactics, game in, game out. Um, and... More so in the Luton game than in this, um, McGann really doesn't respond during games. Credit where it's due, as much as can be given in a game where once we were 7-0 down, we started to make some changes. We did sub bowler off after about 30 minutes. Um, We made a couple of changes at halftime, which would be expected in a game of this uh, this sort of result but they made very little difference. And, and yes, you can sort of look at the second half and say, yes, we only considered the one goal and that's sort of a positive to be taken out of it. But I think there's an element there as well that for Wigan, um, as you'll see in a lot of sporting contests in this day and age, once the game's won, once the, um, the damage is done, there's very little appetite for really rubbing our noses in it. Um, so for them... At 7-0 seven, seven up at half time, they had the goal difference, they had the three points, there was very little for them to play for, and um, yes, they added the eighth in the second half, so it gave them their record win in the Football League, which of course is a fantastic record for us to have gifted them, um, but once that was achieved, they had nothing to play for, and, and for them, in you know, being pragmatic, they have other games to play, they, they had another game against Charlton a few days later, um, they rotated, they made some substitutions, because there was very little point in going for a ninth or a tenth goal. Um, and so, as much as I hate to say it, 
you can't really even credit McGann for any sort of halftime talk that might have changed things around because I think it was more down to Wigan than than us that that we um, that we didn't suffer more goals in the second half. Um, we had Terrell come on at oh, sorry we had Terrell come off at halftime for Stewart. Wilkes came off for Reeves, um, and they offered very little either. Um, we had there was there was the sort of humorous incident later in the game where we. Uh, were first awarded a penalty and then it was overruled, which um, you sort of have to look at as you know how how much how much uh, pain did the ref sort of want to inflict on us? Where we'd lost the game, there was no chance of anything out of it other than the potential reprieve of actually managing to score a goal, and the ref sort of teased us with it and then took it away from us. So um, that was that was probably the most humorous moment of the second half. But but other than that, I mean. Not a single player on that pitch, I think, can hold their head high. I mean, arguably, Honeyman at least put the effort in over the 90 minutes. He at least ran around and actually tried, but not a single player in that 11. I don't think any player can walk off the pitch after an 8 0 drubbing and really sort of um, have any sort of pride or any sort of uh, happiness out of a performance like that. Yeah, definitely not. Um, it <laughs> wasn't. Wasn't a great game, um, to put it lightly. So Ehad was in the tiny crowd for that game. What do you think his thoughts would have been? Well, I think his his uh, chickens have come home to roost. You you know, there's been talk for years about the way that the club has been run by the Alums, and um, quite honestly, I think there's been a lot of luck more than skill in the way that the club's been run, especially over the Premier League era, where. Bruce and his scouts have managed to bring in a number of players to the club who have turned a really tidy profit for the club and really kept us going uh, through these championship seasons. And and you you just have to look at the last January window where we sold Bowen for a crazy fee, and especially with hindsight with COVID, um, a fee that I don't think you're going to see repeated where a championship club is selling to a lower half Premier League club for, for quite some time. So I think that was quite a lucky sale. And you look at what's left at the club and you look at the assets, if you can call them that, at the club. And I don't think a single player would go for a profit, especially if you know our relegation will be confirmed tomorrow morning. Um, I don't think a single player since Bruce's departure, a single player that's been signed since Bruce's departure has gone on to be sold for a profit. Um, you look at the fact that contracts just get run down. No one is re-signing contracts. I think the last player to re-sign a contract was Sam Klukas back in 2017, I want to say. Um, and it's just this mismanagement of the club that's just continued year after year. And the luck has run out and the, the players have run out and, and everything's just coming home to roost now. And I, I would like to think that Ehab, in watching that display, had that realisation and had that moment of clarity, but I just don't think he did. I think he's just going to have looked at it and just said, oh, well, you know, this hasn't gone in our favour or that hasn't gone in our favour, and, and he's just going to carry on with his belief and misguided belief that what he's doing and the way he's running the club is the right way to do things. And yes, the absolute smallest credit that you can give the owners is the fact that the club has a decent wage structure in place where you look at our wages compared to our revenue but you also look at the fact that our revenue could be so much higher if we actually had attendances at the level that they should be that if we had sponsorships at the level that they should be you look at the fact that you know we're running a podcast from here in Australia and and there's this there is this international audience so there are people who will sign up to the Tigers TV 
and and they will watch all of the games. So there is all of these revenue avenues and revenue streams available to the club that are just so underutilized. And there, there's there, you've got to say that as much as cost cutting will improve the position of the club following a relegation and, and is, is such a necessary part of the club, you've also got to say that there's got to be ways to look at ways to improve and increase the revenue. And more so than anything, when we go down to League One, that's going to be the basis of our club because there's not going to be any TV revenue. You don't get much TV revenue as a League One club. You've got to be looking at improving attendances. You've got to be looking at improving sponsorship deals and improving all sorts of marketing and everything to get money into the club. And I just don't think he's aware of it. He just doesn't care. And and I really hope that, if nothing else, that this game is that final nail in the coffin. And I think that's very optimistic to say, and it's very optimistic to think that this will actually be a point at which the owners decide they finally have to sell the club. But I, I just kind of, if, 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 if this isn't it, then I just don't think there is anything that will do that for them. And um, yeah, I, I just I don't know what he would have been thinking as he as he watched the game. Now McCann didn't take the press conference for the Luton game after the Wigan debacle. What did you make of that? Oh, it's just pathetic. It's it's as spineless as the team's performance against Wigan. And um, you know we were all sort of saying during the Wigan game, <laughs> it's sort of a macabre thing if you look at the the Twitter feed for City as the game wore on and. You know, you kind of get the usual disappointment at the first minute conceding of a goal and it just progresses from there and, and to the point where when it's 7-0 at half time, everyone's basically just saying, well, he can't survive this. I mean, this is this is the worst defeat in our history as a club, regardless of division. This is our worst display. I mean, we had the 7-1 against Spurs on the final day of the Premier League season, which was after relegation had been confirmed, but this was, we were fighting for survival against a team that was also fighting for survival, and, and he just can't do anything. Um, you look at Slutsky's sacking during our first season back in the championship. You look at Phelan's sacking during that Premier League season. The owners have an impetus to sack managers when things aren't going right. It's not as if they will happily just sit back and let the managers run the club into the ground. And so you sort of look at that performance against Wigan and just think they've they've got to make a change. They've got to do something. But... Sure enough, he was still in charge for the Luton game, which we'll talk about. But the fact that he didn't have the the spine to back up and actually front a press conference, you know, um, the club wants to talk about how we've all got to stick together, how we've all got to be in it together, and we've got to, you know, face up and 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 play the next game, and you know, put, put, you know, go up against this adversity. But the manager's not leading from the front; he's not walking the walk. So the fact that Cliff Byrne took the press conference. He um, he was asked about it by Matt Dean about where McGann was and, and basically thought it would be appropriate to respond with a joke about thinking he'd be getting questions from Burnsy. But it just, it just epitomises the problems with the coaching staff as a whole, that a coach can think that this is the time to be joking and that this is the time to be trying to set everyone at ease when we've just suffered our worst defeat. Um he was asked, you know, Byrne was also asked about how we're going what, what we're going to do to plan to stop the avalanche of goals that we've been conceding lately and, and sort of said that, oh, well, you know, besides the weekend game, I think you can take the word avalanche out of it, that it's a bit of an over-exaggeration. You know, Cliff, we, we've conceded the most goals in the, in the league. It's, it's not just the one game that we've conceded goals in. Um, it just seems that 
the the coaching staff as a whole is just utterly de- delusional at the moment. And 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 that press conference and and the fact that this morning or, or yesterday, um, England time, we haven't even held a press conference ahead of our final game of the season. It just seems as if. Um, the club as a whole has just bunkered down. I mean, we don't see any of the players coming out on social media and apologising for the Wigan display. We saw Tafazoli come out after the Luton game and apologise to supporters, which is a, a huge credit to him because I don't think anyone would have expected it of him or thought any less of him personally if he hadn't done that. But the players as a whole have just sort of bunkered down and just completely... Um, uh, just sort of, you know, tried to just shelter themselves from social media in any way or owning up to any any level of responsibility for that performance. And it seems that the coaching staff have done the same thing. It does appear that they're cowering in defeat, which is probably not the attitude, attitude they should be taking, um, particularly for the fans. Um, now, things didn't improve against Luton as City went down 1-0. What did you make of that game? Well, the one positive from this one is the fact that we hadn't conceded after the first five minutes. I thought that was a pretty decent improvement. But look, I mean, the the, the, the brightest brightest positive to take out of this one is to show that McGann actually made some changes and actually decided to roll the dice to some extent. Um, we talked last week about the possibility of Ingram coming into goal for Long, who, who's been pretty hopeless since the restart, and that move was finally made. And... Um, I was sort of saying to Mike just before the game, we were looking at the stats for this, and I think Ingram's last league start, he'd conceded six goals against West Brom, so, and that was two years ago as well. So um, not the most confident, confidence-inspiring display or, or statistics to back him up, but you know sometimes you've just got to make a change. And, and the title of last week's podcast was just the fact that we've now just got to go for it. We've just got to throw caution to the wind. And we didn't do that against Wigan, and we lost that game 8-0. And so thankfully we did that against Luton. We made the six changes. But, um, you know, the fact that we went down 1-0, I think the most disappointing aspect of that was A, that we had no shots on target, but also B, the fact that we didn't actually use all of our substitutions, that the manager didn't think at the 60-minute mark, at the 70-minute mark, you know, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to try and, oh, you know, I've contained them for 70 minutes. It's nil-nil. We can just play the game as a 20-minute game where we throw on a couple of attacking players and really go for it in the last 20 minutes and put them back on their back feed. Um, we we just didn't change anything. And and then, of course, Luton looked the brighter team in the second half and they really went for it. And, and of course, they ended up coming out on top. Um, and I think the thing that breaks my heart the most about that game was that Kane Lewis Potter, who came on in the, I think it was the 85th minute, 88th minute, um, would have been one of the players who was bleeding the most for the shirt. I mean, he's a local Hull lad. He's grown up with the club. He's grown up through the Premier League era of the Bruce years. Um, he loves the club. He would be, you know, wanting to go out there and die for the shirt. And, and he's being made to sit on the bench for 88 minutes before he can have a chance at making an impact on the game. And I just I just can't fathom how, how that can happen. And, you know, you can say all you want about, well, you know, he's a young kid, you know, got to ease him into the season. I mean, that's long gone. That that should have gone out the window at the restart because he he's a player that you need to have in the team. You can see the passion that he has for the team and he needs to be out there leading on the pitch. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's a real shame that you've still got players in that 11 who, who clearly aren't, 
dying for the shirt, aren't pushing for the shirt. And look, there's one reason or another, and I'm not going to blame those players necessarily. I mean, the club, we, we've talked about it before. I mean, the club hasn't necessarily shown much loyalty to the players either. I mean, you look at Lehigh, you look at Irvine, you look at Kingsley, who um, who are basically sacked on the, on the training pitch. So you, you don't necessarily blame guys like Magenis or... Um, uh, Terrell, for instance, who's who's almost certainly going to leave us after the, this last game against Cardiff. But at the same time, that then comes back to the manager, and the manager needs to be picking the eleven that he thinks will be the most motivated, the most hungry to go out there and get the result for him. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's just a huge failing from every aspect of the club, really. Um, and, and yeah, I just I just can't fathom the fact that in such an important game. We, we couldn't even muster a shot on target. I, you know, I, I will say one really kind of cute positive, uh, you know, it's an odd adjective to use, but a cute positive was the fact that Callum Elder took on, took on the captain's armband for this game. So it does mean that we've had two different Australians captain city during the season, which um, has obviously never happened before. So that was, that was a bit of a fun statistic as a, an Aussie city supporter. Um, but other than that, I mean... You know, Luke Flanagan in our Facebook group, we, we reached out to people to ask for uh, any questions or comments for the for the podcast tonight, and he sort of underlined the fact that he couldn't believe that KLP didn't start the game, and um, yeah, I just can't fathom that either. So, should Luton have been down to 10 men after Colin's headbutt on McDonald's? Yeah, I mean, look, that's, that's one of the interesting talking points from that second half, and uh, I, I just... You look at some of the headbutts that given as red get given as red cards. Um, we've obviously been on the end of a few of those. There was the one from Embakani, I think it was against Newcastle in the League Cup a couple of seasons ago in the Premier League, where it was a very very mild sort of coming together of the heads pushing against each other, where he got a red card. This was a this was a full on charge with the head, and I just can't fathom how the ref hasn't given a red card for that. And and you know not only that he's actually given them the free kick because he thinks that McDonald's kicking out of the ball was was a bit too reckless. So you know um, you know when things aren't going your way, they really aren't going your way, and and I think that's that's a really tough decision to stomach. Do I think that made the difference in the game? Probably not, um, but. You know, ten men against eleven at nil nil. Maybe that would have given us a bit of impetus to go on with it. Would have you know sort of encouraged us to really run at them. Um, it's all ifs and buts at this stage. But um, I just yeah, it was a bizarre decision. So now we head to Cardiff for the final day. Does Hull have any chance of staying up? Well, mathematically we do. Uh, we are what we're three points off safety, I think, because Wigan are down there on 46 points alongside us. Um, so we would just need to, to win and hope that results go our way again, you know, with Luton, Barnsley and Wigan also not picking up wins. So I think Phil Buckingham's priced that at $49, according to the odds, uh, which sounds about right. And, you know, being typical City, I, I could imagine that all three of those sides will drop points and, and then we'll still manage to lose the game. So... Um, look, you know, I'll be getting up. It's 4.30 in the morning our time. Um, I'll be getting up as, a, as the hopeless tragic that I am and hoping for a result. But, you know, it, it's interesting. We, we've, we seem to always play Cardiff at the end of seasons in these sorts of important games. And we had the game against them back in 2012-13 at our place where we drew 2-2 to 
to go up to the Premier League, and that was a pretty drama-filled game in itself. Um, and then obviously the game in 06-07 to stay in the championship, which was a 1-0 away win at Cardiff, so that's more of an appropriate game to draw on for inspiration. Um, it was a little bit before my time, so I don't have any distinct memories of that one. But I just you just can't see it with the City team at the moment. And, you know, I, I'm part of a championship tipping competition, and each week now I just confidently tip against City because I just know that we just don't have it in us to, to get a result. You look at Barnsley against... Um, well, it was Nottingham Forest the other morning and then obviously Huddersfield against West Brom as well, um, both picking up the three points. And you just can't see a result like that in this City team. We just don't have the right combination of skill, motivation, tactics, all of those sorts of things. And we have a manager who doesn't even seem to know our best 11. We, we talked before the restart or just after the restart of the number of changes and rotations that McCann's made to this side. And um, it's just continued. You'd, you'd think over the, 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 um, the closed season that he would have had the players out on the training pitch for those couple of weeks, figured out his best 11 and thought, right, you know, I'll give this team the go and, and just see how it goes. But we're still making those two to three subs or, or changes to the lineup each week. And it's just not resulting in any sort of consistency in the team or any sort of consistency in the performance. And it just, it just means that there's almost no chance of a result against Cardiff because they have, they have a lot to play for, for themselves. They, they have no reason to be on the beach as you would say. Um, and, and, and as such, I just, I just can't see anything from it. And, and we could very well be going down to the, to the League One um, as the bottom place team in the championship. Look, I'll remain hopeful. <laughs> Got to be, um, yeah, yeah, I don't want to curse us, so actually, maybe I'll say nothing. Um, but we do have some audience questions. So um, we've had a question from Matt Thompson. How big a loss will we get hit with, do you think? Well, um, one of the, the highlights of the first Premier League season under Steve Bruce was a 4-0 away win at Cardiff, um, which I think funnily still remains Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's biggest uh, home defeat in the Premier League, uh, obviously now the United manager, but during his time at Cardiff, um, that was that 4-0 defeat. So I like, I like that stat. Um, unfortunately, I would not be surprised to see the scoreline reverse in this one and, and see us go down by three or four goals. I think Cardiff need to get a win in this one to secure not only their playoff spots, but I think I've also had it pointed out that the the, the win would actually give them the easier playoff semi-final because it would mean that they would play the Fulham fixture instead of the Brentford fixture. So um, I think they'll be going out all guns blazing and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see three or four poop past us. Okay, so Stephen Greenwood has asked, should McCann still be in charge? Uh, now, this was, a, this was a, a funny question because he actually uh, called McCann McCant, which um, I think is an appropriate nickname, not least of all because if you say it slightly wrong, it becomes an even worse nickname for him, um, which I think may be somewhat appropriate at this point in the season. Um, he shouldn't be in charge. We, we sort of talked about, um, about this during the Wigan game that that for for a manager to preside over the worst defeat in your club's history in a game that actually matters, in a game that actually counts, not sort of an end-of-season dead rubber, to, to still be in charge a week later is just an absolutely preposterous notion. And the fact that we have one win since New Year's Day 
uh, I think, six points or something like that in their last 19 games. It's just utterly preposterous that this man is still in charge. I can see the club's owners saying, well, he's a good League One manager. He'll be he'll be the right man to be in charge to, to bring us back up from League One. But you look at Huddersfield having just sacked um, the Cowley brothers, who managed to keep them up in safety. Um, you see Watford sacking Nigel Pearson when that will actually probably cost them their Premier League status, ironically. Um, there are good managers out there, good managers looking for work. Um, I think Pulis is still out of work as well and obviously wouldn't take a job in League One. But whether it's the Cowley brothers, whether it's somebody else, we need to be ambitious. And, and look, you know, the Alums clearly don't want to put any sort of money into the club. And, and I sort of started, when we are talking about Ehab being in the stand at the Wigan game, started sort of posturing on, well, is this the point where they sell the club? And I don't think League One's the sort of league where you need to be spending a huge amount of money but as long as you have the, if, if, as long as you spend the right money, you bring in the right manager and the right players. I think it is a league we could get out of. But they need to wake up to the situation, and they need to wake up to the position that we're, we find ourselves in, and actually make that change. Or else, you know, who knows? Touch wood, but we could be here in twelve months talking about the fact that we're about to start a League Two campaign. Let's hope not. Okay, our last audience question is from Cameron Wilson, who's asked, "Should we be look?" Should we be looking at this game as a chance to play our League One lineup for next season? Yeah, look, I mean, it's a great question, and, and it's one that I'd sort of thought of as well. Um, uh, it's a really difficult one because relegation isn't confirmed. I think there will be an element of going out there and trying to win the game and, and trying to stay up, even though the chances of that are so minuscule. But I think realistically, sort of like that last game of Marco Silva's reign where we played Bowen, we played a few of those players who'd be with us for the following season, we need to be looking at it as a chance to try out some of these younger guys or some of these guys that will be in the side next season. Um, You know, we saw the changes where we saw Bowler and um, Pennington not play the second half of the Wigan game and then obviously not play against Luton either. And and it's quite right. I think the lone players should just be not in the consideration at all. And I think, in a way, it's quite fortunate that we, we've got Wilkes signed up so we know that he'll be here next season and, this, and potentially the season beyond that. Um, but we need to be playing guys like that who'll be here next season. So we need to be playing the, the Lewis Potters, the, the uh, Scots, the Wilkes, the potentially, I guess, Eves as well um, as, our, as our sort of forward line. And, and, you know, I'd love to see Will Mannion in goal. Um, he's been at the club for a few seasons now, and we seem to have this habit recently of bringing in these younger keepers, training them up, and then and then releasing them to, to lower league clubs. But, you know, we've got to pinch ourselves and realise that we are now a lower league club. And, um, it, it, you know, it wouldn't hurt to give him a game just to see, just to have a look at him in, in the city team and see if he's good enough to, to lead us in, in a League One campaign. I, I can't imagine if we can get any sort of fee for Long or Ingram, who I think is on a two-year deal, he might be only on a one-year deal, um, if we can get some sort of fee for Long, perhaps we we look at we look at selling him on. Um, he had a fantastic first half of the season, and, and that game against Chelsea would have really put him in the shop window and has obviously had an atrocious second half to the season. But... So, so have most of our players, and and I think a few of them will be looking to move on in the off season. So, um, look, I, I I think I think that's the way to go. I think the way to go will be to to try and um, test out a potential first eleven for the League One next season. But 
unfortunately, I, I wouldn't be surprised if McGann puts out a side that he sort of feasibly says is trying to, to keep us in the championship, but ultimately we'll get battered by Cardiff, we'll go down, and we'll be starting League One next season regardless. Well, it's definitely been an interesting season so far, so it'll be interesting to see how it ends. Um, that is it for the Tigers Down Under. Um, thank you for listening. And just before we go, I will say we, we did mention in the Facebook group that next week's episode will be a live broadcast on YouTube. Um, we'll try to do it at about uh, 7.30, 8 o'clock at night, our time. So what's that, about you know, 10.30, 11 a.m. in the UK? It would be great if we can get some live listeners and people submitting questions live for the episode where we'll review the season as a whole and sort of try and pick at the carcass that is City's season. Um, but until then... Come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. This is on fire. We're going higher and higher. There's no turning back.